Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. It's an exciting day today, just as Matthew said. What an exciting day it is for the people in our, that are two amazing people in our church family with incredible stories. You know, I've had the privilege of getting to know Adele and just getting to know Carolina this week and hearing her story, just amazing journeys that they've been on. And this is a huge step for them. And I know many of us have taken that step in our journey. Um, and, and we know how, how big a, of, a, of a decision it can be. And it's an, it's an honor to be a part of these journeys. And I, I'm so excited. I'm genuinely so excited for both of your futures. I just really see that this is a God thing. Um, Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing a baptism in November. <laughs> it's like <laughs> God planned it. <laughs> we definitely didn't plan it. Um, and I just recognize also that God is really on the move. I mean, just these last few weeks, these last few months, I'm just sensing that God is really stirring hearts. He's drawing people into the church, different kinds of people from different backgrounds, different kinds of stories. And I feel like Something is happening, and a lot of people are picking up on this in the church, and that, that really makes me excited. And I just think it's a privilege that he chooses to use our church. He chooses to use us to impact people's lives and never take it for granted. Everyone that gets baptized, I mean, there's a celebration in heaven, and we likewise should be celebrating because it is a momentous occasion for God's kingdom and for their lives and the countless others that they're going to touch in, in their futures. So praise God. That's how I want to start. I just want to say thank you, God. Let's give him a round of applause. It's fantastic. Um, before the summer, I spoke on baptism. I talk about it as it's an important step in our journeys. And it's a, essentially where we make a public declaration of something that it is an inner conviction, something that's, that, that's been happening inside, and we want to just go public with it. We want to let everybody know, hey, this is me. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And so it's that public declaration it's a manifestation of our faith, if you like, and it's, it's the witness of the church as a family as we come around and we witness this declaration that they make. It's kind of like a formal homecoming into the community. It's like, welcome into the body of Christ. You are with us. You, you're part of this holy nation. You're part of God's family. You're part of his kingdom now. And, and, and that, that gives so much to us as we are baptized to go, hey, I was baptized. Hey, I'm a part of God's family. No, no one can change that. No one can take that away from me. No one can take my passport away from me. I am a member of God's kingdom. And, and that's a powerful thing, to, that, that identity that comes with that. And we, as Matthew did, we, we liken that dynamic of baptism to that of marriage. Uh, there's a lot of parallels that you can bring from that. And a, a relationship, it might already exist. You might already have that relationship with God. But just like a wedding ceremony, a baptism, it serves as both a sign and a seal of a covenant commitment. And uh, that is just so important that, that we, we take that step, that we, we confess God in front of man, because we know that as we do that, that, that we, the Father will confess us. He will wit, be a witness to us. It's, we, we, are, we are identifying ourselves with his, his plans for our life. We are saying we are one with him. We are, we are making a union with him in that covenant. And today, I'd like to just go, I'd just like to go just a wee bit deeper, uh, excuse the pun, and into what exactly is achieved in our baptism. 
and what we can draw, uh, there's another pun, we can draw out the water, of course, um, from our baptismal identity. Uh, and a quick history lesson, we, we as Christians, like, as Matthew touched on it, we base most of our understanding of baptism from the stories of the Gospels. Uh, John the Baptist, of course, is a guy we look to a lot. He practiced um, baptizing people, and he, he baptized people for the repentance of sins. And, and as Matthew said, it, he, he also baptized Jesus. And the thing is, is that if you look back, actually what John was doing was something that was actually quite common practice. If you go back a bit further and you looked at, into like Jewish traditions, there was a common practice among the Jews called uh, mikvah. Uh, if Lavina was here, she'd probably correct me. Yeah, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but it's a really fascinating when you read into it because it's a ritual where one was totally immersed in the water for the purpose of cleansing or transformation. It marked um, a change. Uh, and it was often, it was done on a lot of different occasions. Uh, and there's a lot of different examples. I can't go into the, all of them now. But the key thing I want to get is it's, it was about cleansing. It was about transformation. It was about uh, stepping into something new. And as, as Matthew said, Jesus himself was baptized. And yet, he, he wasn't a sinner. He didn't need to be cleansed of his sins. But still, God deemed it necessary step, even for a sinless man, as a, the, the scripture that Matthew shared, to fulfill all righteousness. And why was that? Because an important thing about Jesus is that he came to serve. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve man. He came to serve the world. He laid down his life. He was the lamb. He didn't come to be king he could have come and said, hey, I'm the greatest of them all. I've never sinned. You should all bow down and worship me, which would have been true. But that wasn't what he was there for. He was there to serve. And there's a, lot, a lesson for us. There's a, there's a blueprint for us to follow in why we as his disciples, as his servants, should follow him in being baptized. It wasn't just about getting clean. It was about laying your, your life down to be a wholehearted follower. And it's the, the same reason that Jesus later instructed the disciples to go out and make more disciples by baptizing them. See, there's a re-identification that's taking place. That Jesus was saying, hey, uh, I'm a servant. I'm a follower. I'm doing the will of the Father. And in the same way, when we get baptized, we're saying, hey, I'm a servant of Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I identify myself with the plans and purposes of Jesus in my life. I'm not just doing this to just get sin off me. I'm doing this because I want to be, be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. I'm all in, right? Because it's not about your credentials. It's, it's about the Father's will. And that's why it was important to Jesus. See, Paul talks often about, uh, if, you, if you look in, in the epistles, you'll see that Paul often talks about how Things took place as an example for us, that things are recorded so that we can look back on it and learn the principles from it, that there's actually patterns in the Bible. And as I was looking at baptism, I was looking, for, I was looking at a few events that really mirrored what took place, um, or what is a reality for us yeah, uh, as part of baptism. And it's really interesting because, you know, a Bible has a lot of names, has a lot of stories, a lot of places, and a lot of them, they seem so far removed from our reality today, right? I mean, it's like thousands of years ago in another part of the world with names we can't pronounce. 
And so it's, sometimes it's hard to kind of draw inspiration from that or to, to understand how we fit into that picture, right? But, you know, these stories of the past often speak to us about our future and help us understand God's purposes and plans for our life. And one of these stories is the story of Exodus. Now, the story of Exodus is probably one of the most profound, like, impactful stories in, well, in the history of mankind, you could say. I mean, in particular for the Jewish people, but then also for us as Christians. It's such a powerful uh, story that, that God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to explain something about his nature. He's trying to explain something about his purposes and plans. It's one of the most influential stories ever told. In the Jewish faith, it is the centerpiece. You know, if you can, under, if you can just get that context, if you can understand that to the Jewish faith, faith, that the story of Exodus is so central to their identity, then you can kind of understand when you're reading the Gospels then, the way that they're explaining the Gospel, the way that they're, they're, they're always referencing back to what Moses did, to, to how the people escaped slavery. They escaped captivity, and they came to this place of freedom. They came into the promised land. This imagery is, is referenced over and over again in the Gospels, and there's a reason for that, and I'll get to that. But it, it is so central to the Jewish faith that all of the law and the prophets around it is basically kind of seen as just commentary around the story of Exodus. It's so important. You know, when I visited Israel many years ago now, I was talking to a taxi driver, just chit-chatting, as the British people like to do. And um, I, I asked the, the taxi driver, so do you, what do you reckon then? Do you think there's ever going to be peace in Israel? Because I'd been hearing all these stories about the Six-Day War and all of these battles, and, and it's just constant. They've had just war, 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 and, and uh, there's just perpetual uh, conflict there. And I just said, do you think there'll ever be peace here in, in the Middle East? And, he, and his answer to really... I remember he said, if God can split the Red Sea, he can deliver peace, right? And I found that, that answer quite astounding for a cynical Brit like me. I mean, that even today, to, to call yourself uh, an Orthodox Jew is to say, I'm a slave whom God led out of Egypt by the hand of Moses and to whom God gave the law of Sinai. I am a Moses Exodus Sinai person. I'm a member of the people who were forever changed by this man and these events. It is so central to their identity. Thousands of years later, they, they get hope. They draw our identity from what happened in that story that is just so far removed from the present day. It's just like ingrained into them. And that got me thinking, is there events in my life, is there events that I read in the Bible that impact me in such a way that I make it a part of my identity, that I draw hope from it? on a daily basis, that I, I can find hope even in the darkest of situations from, from the, the, the reality of what took place thousands of years ago? It's an interesting question, I think. I think there is something we can learn from that, from that, 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 um, that identification of, from what God has done in our history. You see, our lives follow our hearts. These are our convictions, our identity. Our identity is so important, and that's why I believe baptism is so huge. It's a re-identification that's taking place. It shouldn't be just seen as, a, as you know, a nice day in our history. Got some nice pictures. It was a lovely thing to do. 
just like weddings are often <laughs> seen as, but something that marks a watershed moment in our life. A watershed, if you, if you don't know, a watershed moment is, is a dividing line, is a point of change. And in this instance, a very real transformation is taking place. But in order for that to be true, in order for it to be our watershed moment, in order for it to, to really bring about change in our life, we need to regard ourselves not according to the flesh, but instead confess that I am in Christ, that I am a new creation, that the old is gone, I've left that behind, that the new is here. I don't know about you, but I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. You know, sometimes I just feel like I'm in a rut. Oh, oh man, stupid Justin. Just always doing those things. Oh, it's a family issue. You know, it's like something that I've always struggled with. It's something that's always going to be with me. You know, you just feel like there's just this holding pattern in your life. I don't always declare on a daily basis, I'm a new creation. I don't always embrace the new. I don't always try to just, just dis, like, leave behind the things of the past and move forward. I don't really embrace the reality, the truth of what Jesus did at the cross, that he actually made it possible that I can be changed. He actually made it possible that I can live a transformed life, that I don't have to accept the things of the past. I don't have to accept the things of my history, that I can move forward in my life free of these things. To be a Christian should mean that we identify ourselves as a citizen of his kingdom, that we are no longer mastered. We talked a few weeks ago about you can't serve two masters. You can either serve the world or you can serve the Lord. And there's a choice that needs to be made, and sometimes it's on a daily basis that we have to identify ourselves that I'm in God's camp. The devil has no hold of me. Your accusations, they're lies. They have no hold of me. The, the Lord, my God, is the author and finisher of my journey. And, and, and just really believe in him for your future. That's a battle. We have to profess that I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. See, because Exodus means so much to the Jewish nations, to remember their deliverer. To this day, it gives them hope in the God of Israel. But we can read in the testimonies of Paul that the epic story of Exodus much like the flood and the ark of Noah, these rescues were just a foreshadow of what was to come. As great as they were, those stories, they were just setting up the scene for something much greater, a promised land that couldn't be touched. Just as renewal took place in Noah's day, a new nation was birthed also through Moses. In Jesus, we can have our own exodus, our own identity-shaping moment in our history. And going back to that ritual of mikvah, literally means the gathering of water. For the observant Jew, it personifies both the womb and the grave, and consequently, a rebirth that can take place. In the Gospel of John, we can hear about a conversation between the sage Nicodemus and Jesus, where Jesus declares to, to enter God's kingdom, ye must be born again. 
Kanye West likes to quote that one. Ye must be born again. And Nicodemus then asked Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into this mother's womb and be born, can he? And he was basically saying, how can I convert Judaism? I didn't know that was a hard word. <laughs> if I already am a Jew. That was his question. But what Jesus explained is that you cannot rely, you can't just rely on your heritage for salvation. It, it isn't about your credentials, just like it wasn't even for Jesus. It wasn't about your credentials. It's a conversion of our spiritual condition that was necessary. We needed to have a re-identification take place. He was talking, of course, about this baptism. We, like the Hebrew, we have our own story of deliverance. We all have stuff that we have been delivered from. might even be unique for you as a person. Things, situations you've come out of, things that you have been through, things that have happened in your family. We all have unique stories, and we're all here today with those unique journeys, amazing stories. But for us that have come to a saving knowledge of Christ, our baptismal identity is that we too are forever changed. We're forever changed. In the book of Romans, Paul implores the disciples to recognize that we are living in a new land and that it requires a new life. We can't continue to live in the old ways. We've got a new identity. And I'm going to read from, I don't normally read from the message, but I, I, um, I was reading this scripture in Romans 6 this week in a message, and it just so brilliantly just articulates what I feel like God's heart is for this, so much so that I pretty much wrote the same thing, but not as well as Eugene Peterson. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let Eugene take the mic right now because he's so profound in the way he writes. I'm just going to read from Romans 6, 1 to 5 right now. It says this. So what we do, uh, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life, in a new land. And that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of that water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see we're going, where we're going in our new grace, sovereign country. Isn't that brilliant? I absolutely love that passage. So Thank you, Eugene Peterson, for that gift of the message. The way he just articulates that there is so brilliant that we have actually left the old country where sin ran riot, where it was sovereign over our lives, and we have actually done our own exodus. We have crossed our own Red Sea because of the work of Jesus. By faith, we were able to cross that chasm that we couldn't do alone, and we entered into a new land. We entered into a promised land where Grace now rules sovereign in our lives. And I know that's so hard for us to get our head around. We feel like these things have a hold on us. We feel like we're going to default back into the old. 
that that's just the way things go. There's these forces against us that we cannot resist. You know, and we can even question if a transformation really took place. Did we really cross over? You know, was I really sincere when I gave my heart to God? Was I sincere when I got baptized? You know, maybe I just wanted to believe that I had changed. You know, the accuser will come with all these lies and try to tell you that you're still part of that old kingdom. But actually, because of what Jesus has done, you have crossed over into a new land. You have a new identity. And for some of us this morning, maybe you got baptized many years ago, we have to recognize and we have to embrace what Jesus has actually done for us, that we've actually crossed over. And we've been looking at the book of James, and it's so easy to, to fall back into that trap of serving the old master. Like the Hebrew people could, they, they actually started to, we were talking about this this week, the Hebrew people, when they actually came into the promised land, they, they, they were on the way to the promised land, they actually started to long back for the, the old security, to so the things they knew, to the old life, because there, there's an element of security in it. But God actually wants us to step into that place of insecurity where we actually trust in him, where we can actually experience freedom and, and know that we can trust him with our lives. Because it's not about what we did. We could never have crossed that chasm on our own. We could never have got our credentials into a place that, where we could have been righteous. It's because of what Jesus has done. So we can be secure in that knowledge. We've crossed our own Red Sea. We're a chasm that could not, we could not cross in our own. And just like the Hebrews, it was a miraculous passage made by faith. We were, free, we were free just as them from our slavery. We were birthed into a new kingdom as a holy nation. It means that we can come together on a Sunday like this as a body, and we can worship God in a community. It releases us to a place where we can partake in communion with God. Paul talks about baptism as an event that changes a person's very identity. And that identity is so strong for the Jewish people that Exodus remains in their memory bank till this day. Let us, in the same way, let us not neglect the significance of the sea that Jesus has helped us cross. What he has achieved at Calvary, that he made a way to a new life. It's remarkable when you think about it. And we, like the, the Hebrews, we were trapped in an impossible situation. They were hemmed in. Their enemies surrounded them. They had nowhere to go. They had no way of getting across that sea. And in the same way as we look at the law and what it says about the requirements of our life, we had nowhere to go. We had no hope. The accusers had every right to judge us because we were guilty, even in the eyes of the Father. But then he sent his son Jesus to make a way where there was none. That we may cross that chasm into his kingdom. And you know, the slave masters, as we know in the story of Exodus, they chased down the slaves. They chased down the Hebrew people in their chariots with their armies. And they were following them across the dry land as they tried to cross the sea. And what does the scripture says? It says that, that God caused the waters to fall upon them and surround them, and every single one of them was drowned. And there, I think, is a picture for us today. 
Because I know that many of us, we struggle with this accusative voice in us that tells us that we haven't really changed. We haven't really left behind the past. That we still have these habits. We still have these things that we are never going to shake off. And I, I think we need to realize that what Christ has done is that he's done the same thing as he did to those armies that chased them down. They try to bring them back into captivity. That he drowned every single one of them. And he brought to realization a prophecy that was in Micah 7.19 where he says that your transgressions have been condemned to the depths of the sea. That is the reality today. That as we are buried with Christ and raised with him, your transgressions, your faults, every accusation that the enemy might have over you is at the bottom of the sea. As far as the east is from the west, so far have your transgressions been removed from you. That you are truly free here today. Because the waters of the Red Sea, they harken back to the waters of Noah's flood. There's a, there's a constant pattern and a mirroring that's taking place. The waters which lifted the ark to safety are the same waters which drowned the wicked. And the same waters that parted to give passage to the Hebrew people were the same waters that drowned their, their slave masters. There's something significant happening in the water. And I think there's something significant that's going to happen today in baptism. That just like with mikvah, there's a rebirth taking place. There's a death of the old and there's a birth of the new. And the things of the old, they will remain at the bottom of that sea. They are removed. They have no hold over you. That we can walk freely into a new life. That is the miracle of what Jesus did. You know, we talk about how we are saved through faith. The baptism is just a seal and a sign. And yet what it represents is something so profound, something so powerful, that if we just embrace and, and identify ourselves with that baptismal identity, we can allow the truth of what Jesus did at Calvary to bring about a powerful transformation in our lives. I'm talking to every single one of us here. If you got baptized 20 years ago, if you're getting baptized today, the same is true for you. You know, maybe you've been struggling with the things of old, and God wants to say to you today, no more. Those accusations, they have no hold of you. You can embrace a new life. You can make a change in Jesus Christ's name. You can be free here today. The sea represents a place of burial from our bondage death to our past, yet for God's people, for you and I, it represents a passage into a new land and onto a new life free from our enemies. We should know today that our past has been dealt with by the only one who can. I want to continue reading in Romans 6, 6 uh, verses 11 to 14 says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, 
It was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings, down, brings God down to us. And from now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. And that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. And sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Amen. Wow. Yeah, give him a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I want to invite the band up now as we come to a close. As I hope you're getting the picture of what I've been trying to say this morning, that just as the flood in Noah's age was a foreshadow of what would occur at the Red Sea in the story of Exodus, both these baptisms represent a separation of the old life from us and a commencement of the new. Today is a, is a time for celebration. We get to celebrate that the new has come for two individuals, but the, tr the same is true for each and every one of us. We stand here today as new creations in Christ. We need to embrace that newness. We need to shake off the old. It is not shackled to us. We can just ask God to help us again today to re-identify with him, to live in him. You know, the incredible thing about these baptisms that took place in the time of Noah and in, in the story of Exodus is that we can often talk about baptism, you know, it's symbolic. It's, 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 a, it's a ritual, it's symbolic of these things. But actually, in those stories, it, it, it literally brought about the things that they were looking for. You see, because their, their baptism transported them from real slavery, like they were literally slaves, into freedom. A, a place where they were going to have a very short lifespan to a place of life a place of spiritual uh, persecution and oppression to a place of spiritual light where they could live out their faith, a place of poverty to a place of provision. Their very identity was changed by their baptism. And we too have been delivered because of our faith here today. We have crossed a chasm that we could never have done in ourselves, and it's the redemptive work of Jesus that makes our crossing possible. Now, I wish that, my, or my prayer is that each and every one of us on a daily basis, whenever we have a question over our lives, if we can do it, if, if we can change, if, if we can have hope for the future, that we could be like the Jewish nation that points back to Exodus and goes, yeah, my God can do it. Imagine if we could do that on a daily basis, like, can I move forward? Can I be free? Can I, can I really experience what God I believe God has planned for me, I can say yes, because I know what my God did at Calvary. I know what he did on that cross. I know that he took care of this. And even if I feel like I'm constantly struggling with this, I know it's been dealt with. 
because that's the truth. And that truth should speak louder than any other accusative voice in your life. That's my challenge to us this morning. So a challenge to myself that we just have to reconnect with that truth this morning. We have to re-identify with it. We have to constantly go back to the cross. What has Jesus done for me? He's done, he's made everything possible. He's done the impossible for me. He's helped me to cross over into a new kingdom, into a new life. In our act of getting baptized, that was us embracing that new life. It doesn't just merely represent rebirth. It actually brings about new birth. It brings about the new creation. It connects us back to the reality, to the, uh, unifies us with God so that we may die and be raised with him, that we can experience everything that he has achieved for us. God used their baptism to make it a reality. He wants to make it a reality for us this morning. Let's just stand as we go back into worship. Yes, baptism is a sign and a seal here today, but it's ultimately, it's a recognition of what Jesus has done. That he has broken every chain, just as we were singing this morning. If you're in need of breakthrough here today, it's there. God achieved it at Calvary. Our baptism can be so powerful for us because it can shift us. It can shift our identity. It can form us. Even if it was 20 years ago for you today, it can still shift you today. Because the reality, the truth of what you connected with, you were connecting with a story that happened 2,000 years ago that shook the foundations of the earth, that was God's plan from day one to save us, to rescue us, to deliver us out of bondage. That is truer today as it ever has been. So you can, you can dust off those promises in your life and you can trust in God today. You can embrace this new life because your sins, your, your old patterns, they've been cut off from you. You just need to shake off those shackles. They have no hold on you. He's removed our transgressions from us. He has made a way. Jesus came to make a way. He is our way maker. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son to serve us, to humble himself, to give of his life, to make a way, to part those seas for us so that we may cross from a place of bondage, a place of, of fear, a place of sin, where Sin was master of us where it was sovereign in the land of, of pain. You made a way that we could cross over by faith into a new land where grace reigns sovereign, where we can be free, where we can experience your life. And Lord, we want it to be a reality today more than ever, Lord. A reality for Adele and Carolina, a reality for each and every one of us here today, Lord. Our baptismal identity, Lord, we want to connect with that truth. 2,000 years ago, what was achieved, Lord? You tore the veil in half so that we could have communion with you, that we could be counted a part of your body, that we could be a part of your holy nation. Oh, Lord, we want to connect with that truth today. We want to connect with our true identity, Lord. 
We don't want to try and find ourselves in that old world. We want to find ourselves in you, Lord, in that new life. We want to embrace everything you have for us this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, we know you are here this morning. We know that you are speaking to hearts, Lord. I pray that you would touch upon things that we just need to step out of, Lord. Postures that need to change. Form us this morning. Speak into our lives. Breathe your new life, Lord. I thank you for your freedom. I thank you that we may run where we have been struggling to move forward, Lord, that you would help us to soar, Lord, in your grace this morning. I thank you, Father, for breakthrough, Lord. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Help us to embrace this new life afresh in a powerful way. Let it be true to us. Let, it, let us have it on, wear it on our hearts, Lord, that we are your people. We are new creations. We are of the new kingdom, new life. Thank you, Jesus. Let church, let's worship him. Let's praise him on this special day.